Hi, I'm Aubrey. Thanks for joining the podcast for Church of the Nazarene Harrisonburg. We invite you to subscribe to this podcast for the latest updates and new episodes. You can also join us each Sunday at 9 a.m. on Facebook Live or in person at 9 and 1030 in English or 1145 in Spanish. This year we'll also have three Christmas Eve services. We'll have two indoor at 2 and 3.30 and one outdoor at 5.30. We hope to see you soon. Our scripture reading this morning comes from Luke 2 and Matthew 2. And there were shepherds living out in the fields nearby, keeping watch over their flocks at night. An angel of the Lord appeared to them, and the glory of the Lord shone around them, and they were terrified. But the angel said to them, Do not be afraid. I bring you good news that will cause great joy for all the people. Today, in the town of David, a Savior has been born to you. He is the Messiah, the Lord. This will be a sign to you. You will find a baby wrapped in cloths and lying in a manger. Suddenly, a great company of the heavenly hosts appeared with the angel, praising God and saying, Glory to God in the highest heaven, and on all peace to those whom his favor rests. When the angels had left them and gone into heaven, the shepherds said to one another, Let us go to Bethlehem and see this thing that has happened, which the Lord has told us about. So they hurried off and found Mary and Joseph and the baby who was lying in the manger. And after Jesus was born in Bethlehem in Judea during the time of King Herod, Magi from the east came to Jerusalem and asked, Where is the one who has been born king of the Jews? We saw his star when it rose and have come to worship him. When King Herod heard this, he was disturbed and all Jerusalem with him. When he had called together all the people's chief priests and teachers of the law, he asked them where the Messiah was to be born. In Bethlehem in Judea, they replied, For this is what the prophet has written. But you, Bethlehem, in the land of Judah, are by no means least among the rulers of Judah. For out of you will come a ruler who will shepherd my people Israel. Then Herod called the Magi secretly and found out from them the exact time the star had appeared. He sent them to Bethlehem and said, Go and search carefully for the child. As soon as you find him, report to me so that I too may go and worship him. After they heard the king, they went on their way, and the star they had seen when it rose went ahead of them until it stopped over the place where the child was. When they saw the star, they were overjoyed, and on coming to the house, they saw the child with his mother Mary, and they bowed down and worshipped him. Then they opened their treasures and presented him with gifts of gold, frankincense, and myrrh, and having been warned in a dream not to go back to Herod, they returned to their country by another route. The word of the Lord. Here's a town uh, in Alaska. I can't pretend to spell it. I barely can pronounce it. Uh, but it's called Utkiadvig. Utkiadvig, Alaska. There's no reason that you've ever heard of this town. Uh, no reason really why it should be of note to you. Uh, it's about 4,000 people live there. It's uh, 320 miles above the Arctic Circle. It's it really, if there's a reason you know of it, it's because it's, it's the most northernmost town in the United States. If you were to go north, uh, it would be the last place you could go and still be in America. Um, there's no roads in to Utkiadvig. There's no roads in, there's no roads out. In fact, really the only way to get supplies there uh, semi-regularly is small planes coming in and out. There are no plants. There are no trees. There's no fresh food except what you hunt. And as you can imagine, in the backwoods of Alaska, what you hunt is 
seal and caribou and walrus and polar bear and yeah, some whales too. But there's something really unique here. It's something that happens every winter in It's a phenomenon known by scholars and scientists. They call it polar night. Polar night. And what it means is there's this prolonged season because of where it is geographically. It's a period of uninterrupted darkness. For as many as 65 days in a row, the sun never rises in this town in Alaska. In fact, it just made national headlines recently because the sun actually set there and will not rise again until 2021. It made headlines for the final sunset of 2020 there in that town, in that community. Uh, Mark Mahaney, who's a journalist, he traveled there last January during this season of polar night. Uh, He took some pictures and just reported on what he saw and what he experienced in this community, experiencing nothing but darkness. He said this, top of the world, they call it. It doesn't feel that way. It feels like the bottom. So dark. There's no end. So cold. There's no feel. Eyes to the horizon, and it's nothing, and more nothing in every single direction, just waiting for the sun to rise so time can exist again. And then he asked this question, which I think is so profound. What do you call a night that never ends? We are spending our Advent season talking about light. And really, this season, we've called our series Christmas Light. Christmas light, because we are recognizing the importance in this season, especially of the light of Jesus. Uh, Throughout the season, we're focusing on this light, its symbolism within the story of God and what it means for Jesus, what he did overcoming the darkness, becoming light for us. And so we've been leaning into this idea of Christmas light. Christmas light. Some of us feel like we're living in the midst of a night that never ends. Maybe that's a 2020 thing, but maybe, honestly, some of us just in this season of Christmas where so many people experience joy and excitement and we just aren't there. Maybe we never have been during this season especially. Maybe just personally right now in your life, just a lot of darkness, feeling overwhelmed with pain, grief, despair, anxiety, And so we are leaning into this idea of Christmas light, Christmas light. The question that we're going to ask today throughout this series, we've talked about uh, the light, the significance of God creating light, saying it was good. It was his idea from the beginning. Everything else in creation came from that moment where he said, let there be light. And throughout the story of God, we see light as significant. And then the prophet Isaiah, 700 years before Jesus would come, said, the light will dawn in the darkness. And Jesus came, and he fulfilled that prophecy. He came as the light. But the question we're going to ask today is, how will you respond to the light? The light that is dawning. Not just that did dawn thousands of years ago in that manger. How how will you respond today to the light dawning in our midst? So today we're going to look at two snapshots. Uh, The scriptures, the accounts that we just heard. Stories that if you're familiar with the Christmas story at all, these are not foreign to you. They're quite familiar. 
But we're going to lean into these two snapshots today, two groups of people that present within the story. They present two very different pictures, but they help us answer this question of how will you respond to the light? So we're going to do something a little different today. Uh, We are going to dim the lights. And we're not really just going to dim the lights. We're going to turn them out. Uh, So don't be alarmed if you're here in the room. Uh, It actually won't be totally dark. Uh, But we're going to let it be dark here for a minute. And we're going to lower the lights a bit. I'm going to turn up the brightness on my screen so that the people watching online don't think we just uh, cut the feed or something and they keep watching with us. So we can lower the house lights now because I want to talk to you a little bit about this idea of darkness. And within this story, the significance of darkness and light. Okay, I got enough light on my face. The online people know we're still tracking. Thanks for not giving up on us yet. Uh, Facebook is still uh, loading. So uh, I want you to understand this. Snapshot number one is this. There were shepherds. There were shepherds out in the field. And, And Here's what we know about shepherds. This was a normal night, at least by all accounts, all that we could tell, a normal night outside of the town. And uh, these shepherds, it was quiet. It was relatively still. There was nothing significant about being a shepherd. Nothing significant about being a shepherd. It was not prestigious. It was not celebrated. But but here's what we know. Uh, Nearby, see this is a field outside of Bethlehem. And nearby, in Bethlehem, an unblemished lamb would be offered in the morning and in the evening as a sacrifice. Which was in in accordance with the Old Testament law. And so while there may not be anything significant to us about these shepherds, more than likely they are tending the flock of the sacrifice in the temple. They are tending the flock of the unblemished lamb who will uh, serve as an act of worship, as an act of sacrifice in the temple. So here they are, shepherds out in their field. Maybe they're dozing. Maybe they're taking shifts. Maybe they're daydreaming up at the stars. But this is significant because for 400 years, if you read your copy of Scripture, you know the Old Testament ends in Malachi. And for 400 years, we see nothing, nothing significant happening. This gap, it's called the intertestamental period. And what that means is for 400 years, there's seemingly nothing but darkness on the earth. God is not speaking. He is not revealing himself to mankind for 400 years of seeming darkness until now until now because in this moment an angel appears on an ordinary night to ordinary shepherds and for the first time in centuries the glory of the lord shows up on the earth again the angel appears and the scripture says the glory of the lord was shining was shining that word shining it literally meant to shine brightly to envelop in brightness and so the shepherds are enveloped by this light by the glory of god and it says they were terrified they were terrified At that moment, right? At that moment, as we acknowledge this snapshot of the story, we can't help but think back to the prophecy in Isaiah 9. We can't help but think back to the promise that the people walking in darkness have seen a great light. On those living in a land of deep darkness, a light has dawned. 
And as the shepherds encountered this light, they were terrified. But what did the angel said? I, I bring you good news. You know that word good news that's used in the story? It's the same word where we get the word gospel. So it's as if the angel shining with the glory of God says, I bring, I bring gospel news, good news to you today of great joy because today a Savior has been born to you. And suddenly... More angels came, right? More glory, more light. And the glory of God was overwhelming. Angels praised their Father, God, the Creator in heaven. And they said, glory to God in the highest heaven and on earth. Peace on whom his favor rests. Ordinary shepherds. Common people. Nothing extraordinary about them. How Will they respond to the light? Snapshot number two is this. They came from the east. They came from the east. We actually don't know much about them. We've kind of taken some liberties in our telling of the Christmas story and our nativity scenes. Uh, the, the scriptures say they were magi, and that leads most of us to assume maybe they were magicians or astrologers. But there's a lot we don't know about them. But here's what we do know, that they came from the east and, and that they had the ability to interpret the nighttime sky. And for all we don't know, we do know they were foreigners. And we do know that they were traveling from a far distant land. We know they had some wealth, some sort of authority, some sort of position. And the reason we know that is because they brought with them gifts. Not ordinary gifts, but gifts that, that cost something. Three gifts specifically. We know that there was gold and frankincense and myrrh. And because of that, many of us assume there were only three magi. But the scripture never tells us that. Well, we don't know how many there were, but we know they came bearing three specific gifts. And what led them all this way? What led them all the way from the east on this journey with their gifts in tow? It was the light. The light dawning in the sky. The light, as they had studied and as they had promised, they knew that this light represented something, specifically this star shining brightly in the sky, leading them to the king, the promised king of the Jews, as they had been told. And so they journeyed many, many miles and many, many days following the light. Herod, King Herod is intrigued. Not really intrigued, right? He's terrified because this Messiah, this king of the Jews is a threat to his authority, is a threat to his kingdom. And so this king must be found and he must be eliminated. So the Magi see the star in the sky. They see the light, the same one that leads them all the way to Herod. Now that light shines brightly. It moves on ahead of them, inviting them to come and encounter the king, the savior, the light of the world. How will they respond to the light? Two different snapshots in our story, right? Two different groups of people. Uh, but there's something significant here and something I don't want to miss for us today as we encounter the story. These groups are significant because they are both outsiders, aren't they? They're both for very different reasons. Shepherds, well, they're outsiders because of their status. 
They were low class. They were seemingly insignificant. They had no position, no authority within society. They were forgotten. But the, the Magi, they were insignificant or outsiders for different reasons. You see, they had prestige and, and they had money and they had authority, but, but they were foreigners. They were Gentiles. They were not Jews. And yet they come to find the king of the Jews, these foreigners traveling from the east. They had no business even caring about this king. Undoubtedly, the focus of the Christmas story, don't miss it, is on these two specific groups, not on the religious elite, not on those who should have known the Messiah was coming, not on those that should have been studying their Old Testament scripture, that should have known the prophecies, that should have been looking and waiting and anticipating. That's not the focus of the Christmas story. It's on these seemingly outsiders. What does that say to us today? Well, let's, let's just lean into that for a minute. Let's hit pause for a minute because this is the truth. Some of us believe that this story is for the insiders. We believe that Jesus is Savior for the religious, for those who have their act together, for those who have something to offer this world, maybe out of a, a position of authority, maybe because they're middle or upper class and they've got something to offer. They think that Jesus came for them, for the best of the best, for those who really have their act together and have something to offer this king. But that couldn't be farther from the truth. Right? As we gaze into this story, how many times have you and I convinced ourselves that you've got to be good enough for this God to love you? That in order for him to receive you as his own, you've got to clean yourself up, get yourself together. Right? How many times have you and I believed that we are too messed up to deserve his grace? How many times have we disqualified ourselves from his kingdom? I want us to pause here. I want us to feel the tension of this moment of this story and to acknowledge the most important story ever told and acknowledge maybe our place within it. Jesus came not for, not for the significant, not for the elite, not for the ones that had everything to offer. He came even for the outsiders, even for the outsiders. And so our, our question today is, is, how do we respond? All of us collectively, right? Because once we acknowledge that these are outsiders, we can, we can find our place in the story because many of us, we would never qualify to be the leading characters in this story, right? We would never qualify to be good enough, worthy enough to be a part of this kingdom. But now that we realize this is the story for outsiders, this is the story for those who feel like they aren't good enough, this is the story for those that don't belong in the kingdom but are invited anyway, we recognize this is our story and we're invited into it. And so the question for us today is how do we respond? How do we respond? I want us to come around this idea today that the light, that the light of Jesus, it really is a promise and a call. A promise and a call. And we're going to spend the remaining time we have together trying to answer this question, how do we respond, centering around this idea. That the light of Jesus, it was for them in this snapshot, in these stories, and it is for us. It is a promise of joy, and it is a call to pursue. It, it is a promise and 
a call. Let's lean into the first half of that for a minute. A promise of joy. A promise of joy. First, we know that this light, the light of the world, Jesus entering into our darkness, this is a promise that brings a lot of joy. Heaven breaking in. The God who created light and spoke light into existence now, sending his son, the light of the world, to enter into our darkness. This was the promise fulfilled. This is what all of the prophecies for hundreds and hundreds of years and so many people had anticipating. This is the moment of truth. This is the moment that God keeps his promise. We don't have to ask if. We don't have to ask when. We know now Jesus has come. The light of the world has dawned among us. This is a promise. This is a promise. This was not an exclusive promise, right? This was not a promise just for the spiritually elite. This is not a promise just for those who had their act together, right? Because the outsiders are included in this promise. And what does this promise bring? Does it bring a a response of condemnation? Does this promise, this fulfillment, this light dawning, does it bring dread and fear and anxiety? No, man, this promise brings joy, Joy. It's right here in the story. It's right here in the story. Look at it in Luke 2. We've heard it read this morning. But look at it here. It says, the angel said to them, don't be afraid. They're terrified, right? The glory of God is showing up in their midst. How do you handle that? How do you respond? The angel says, don't be afraid. I bring you good news that will cause what? Great joy for all the people. You know who's included in all the people? Man, that's us. (laughs) That's us thousands of years later reading this account. That's the outsiders. That's the not good enough. That's the not spiritual elite. Yeah, that's the Gentiles, those magi coming from the east. All people get in on the joy, right? Because today in the town of David, a Savior has been born to you. He's the Messiah for all people, not just the some, not just the few, not just the ones who really deserve it. He's the Savior of the world. And this is a promise, a promise fulfilled that brings joy to the hearts of all people. Because today, a Savior has been born. He's the Messiah. Remember story number two? Remember the Magi coming from the east? It's there. Both of them are 2.10. Luke 2.10, Matthew 2.10. What does it say in Matthew 2.10? That when they saw the star, what were they? They were overjoyed. Now, why What would outsiders, why would foreigners, why would Gentiles coming all this way to the king of the Jews? That's not their king. This isn't their promised king. Why is it because they knew this was the promise, the promise of God being fulfilled? And somehow, I think they believed they were included in the promise. They were invited to be a part. This promise was for them too. They got to be a part of the promise, and it said they were overjoyed. Consider this promise for a minute. No matter how dark it seemed, light was dawning. No matter how long you have wandered, a way was coming. The way, the way maker was coming. And the joy of this promise is that the promise is coming to pass. The waiting and the hoping and the trusting and the longing is over. The fulfillment of the promise is here, and the response is joy. Why joy? Because because in this moment, we can stop and say, God sees 
you right where you are. He loves you not from a distance. He enters into your reality, into your mess, into your brokenness, and he joins you right where you are. The light has dawned. And today, the promise for us, the promise of the Christmas light for us, is that that promise can bring joy. Why? Why can we have joy? We, thousands of years later, because we know that we no longer wander in the dark. I'm going to say that again because some of us need to remember that. It feels like, right, I emphasize that because we are so guided and led by our feelings. It feels like it's so dark. It feels hopeless. It feels overwhelming. But the truth is that we have a promise. And the light dawning then is a promise, not just a past tense promise, but a present tense reality that we no longer walk in the dark. We no longer wander aimlessly, hoping that we can pull ourselves up by the bootstraps and get through, hoping that we can just survive. That's what some of us do. But that's not our reality anymore because we have a Savior, a Savior who is with us, right? Even in our darkest moments, a light has dawned, and this is a promise. That brings joy. How do we respond to the light? With joy. (laughs) Our king has come. We are so unworthy. We are such outsiders. We we would never deserve, but but, but a light has dawned. Even in our dark, no matter how dark it has been, no matter how dark your dark is, a light has dawned. It's a promise that brings joy. How will you respond? A promise that brings joy. Next, uh, I want to acknowledge that this is not just a promise, but it's also a call. That the dawning of the light on that quiet night in the fields there with the shepherds, the dawning of the light that led the Magi from the east to journey days and days and days and days. It was not just a promise being fulfilled, but it it was a call. It was a call to pursue. Here's the truth for us. Seeing the light is not enough. Recognizing the light is not enough. Seeing the promise of God, reading it in scripture, pointing, yeah, there it is. That's not enough. Celebrating, that's what we do at Christmas, right? We celebrate the promise of God. Thank you, Jesus. That's not enough. You have to act. You have to respond. You have to pursue the light because the light is not just a promise. It's a call, and you don't have to take my word for it. Let's look again at the story. Look, it's right there in Luke chapter 2. It said when the angels had left them, this display of glory and light of heaven coming down and breaking in among them with this incredible news, there was a moment there of decision. There was a moment of, and I don't know how long it was. Maybe they had a meeting. Maybe they got up. What did you see? Are you okay? Did you see that? Did you? Or I don't know what it looked like. But it said in verse 15, the angels had left them and gone into heaven. The shepherds said, let's go. <laughs> let's go. We're doing this thing, man. Well, we're, we're getting in on this. Let's go. That's action stuff right there, right? It's not, it's not let's think. Let's pause. Look, sometimes we pause. Sometimes we think, but, but don't miss. 
There was a call here, and this call required action. It required a response, and what is their response? Let's go. Let's go to Bethlehem. Let's see what's happened, which is the Lord has told us about. And what does it say in 16? They hurried off. They didn't just, they didn't just you know, tiptoe. and They rushed. They hurried. There was urgency here as they found Mary and Joseph and the baby who was lying in the manger They recognized this light was a promise that brought joy, but ultimately it was a call, and they had to respond. What does it say in Matthew 2? Again, the Magi, they saw the star, and they were overjoyed on coming to the house. There's some action there, isn't it? They didn't stop at the joy. They didn't stop and decide, well, this is, that's good. We've seen enough. Let's go home. They, They came to the house. They responded to the call. They pursued the light, didn't they? And they saw the child, his mother Mary. They bowed down and and they worshiped. Worship is happening. They opened their treasures. They presented him with gold and frankincense and myrrh. They laid their treasures at the feet of their king, of their savior, of the light of the world. Each of these groups, they, they received the promise with joy, but then they responded to the call. Did they have doubts? Were they anxious? Were they afraid? Were they uncertain? How could this go? What if this doesn't? Sure they were, but that's not the question. The question was not, did they have doubts? The question was not, were they afraid? The question was not, were they uncertain? The question was, would would they respond? Would they pursue the light? Later in our scripture, a verse maybe that seems nothing to do with Christmas. It's in 1 John chapter 1. And what does it say? 1 John 1, 7 says this, But if we walk in the light as he is in the light, we have fellowship with one another in the blood of Jesus, his son, purifies us. Because you see that baby, the, the light of the world didn't just come to stay in a manger and hang out there. No, no, no. He lived a, a sinless life. And he would, he would minister and walk and show us, show us what God, God's kingdom was all about. But, but then his ultimate mission was to suffer and die on a cross for you and for me so that we could be forgiven of sins because we were sinners and we deserved death. We deserved punishment. We, we deserved what we could get. But, but Jesus came to be the sacrifice for us. And so First John chapter 1 is saying if we walk in the light, not just acknowledge it, Not just say, well, that's cool. Look, the light showed up. No, no, no. But if we answer the call, if we pursue the call and we walk in the light as he is in the light, then we have fellowship with one another and the blood of Jesus washes over our sin. Today has been born for you a savior for all people. How will you respond to the light? today, I want you to know that we have a promise. And when we, when we come to this time of year, we're reminded of the promise. And and I pray that in this season, that promise can bring joy. You know what joy is not? Joy is not saying, man, it's all good in my life. Everything's going great. I've got it all figured out. Let me, everybody else doesn't know what's happening, but let me tell you, I've got it figured. That's not what joy is. Joy is acknowledging we serve a God that shows up for us. We serve a God that doesn't stand far off in the distance. He, he comes near to us. 
He's entered into our darkness. And, and do you believe 2,000 years ago that if he showed up then, he's still, he, he's still in the business of showing up for us in the midst of darkness. And so because of that, we can have joy. Joy can be our reality. It's not some manufactured, fake it till you make it. It's, it's a deep settle, deep within me, despite how I feel and despite what's happening around me, there's joy because my Savior has come, my light has come, even in darkness. But if that's all it is for us, then we miss, we miss the opportunity to respond to his call. Today, would you not just acknowledge the light? Would you not just acknowledge the promise that's been fulfilled? Would you respond? Would you walk in the light? Would you walk in relationship with him? The, the, the light has dawned and now, now you're invited into relationship with this God who showed up and shows up for you. He wants to walk with you in relationship. Will you walk in, in the light today? Can I pray for you? <laughs> Can I pray for you today that you will answer the call? How will you respond? Because today we can witness, we can witness past tense, the light has dawned. We can even give witness today, present tense, the light of Jesus has come and entered into our world. But the question for us today is how will we respond? Let's pray today. Father in heaven, who loved us enough, the outsiders, the obscure, the ordinary, the unimportant, the foreigner, the Gentile. You loved us enough to send your light dawning into our darkness. And the question for us today is how will we respond to that light? Lord, I pray of all the things we feel in this season, that joy would spring forth, that joy would take root, that in fertile soil you would plant a seed of hope. Your promise, that you have kept your promises, you have never failed and you will not, you are still the way maker, you are still the one dawning in our darkness and I pray that joy would spring forth, it would take root and spring forth in our life but it wouldn't stop there that we would acknowledge today your call, your call, not to just acknowledge the light, not to just observe the light, not to just sing songs and go through the motions, but to respond to the light. And so each and every one of us today have a choice on how we respond to the light. I, I pray right now for that person watching online today and their world feels dark. They feel alone. They feel overwhelmed. I pray today they would respond to your call to walk in the light. That changes their reality on a Monday morning. It changes their reality on a Tuesday afternoon because they are choosing to walk in the reality of your light, to walk in the reality that you have dawned even in darkness and you have made a way for us. I pray for that person today who feels isolated and afraid. I, I, I pray for that person that feels hurt and burdened. I pray for that person that, that has a specific need they're carrying today and it feels overwhelming today. I pray that they would respond to the light dawning in that darkness. They would pursue your call to walk in the light today.
We love you. And we thank you, Jesus. Thank you again for listening today. If you have questions about our church, you can email us at info at As soon as you're done listening, please subscribe to this channel for updates and new episodes.